This is episode 287 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are How to Filter Water in the Wild in Four Steps and Emergency Sanitation Preparedness. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 287. Hey, if you are new to the Prepper Website Podcast, I'd like to welcome you. And if you are not subscribed, you can do that in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network. All right, guys, let's go ahead and start. I'm a little bummed, i got to tell you. I'm a little bummed tonight uh, as I'm getting ready to do the Friday podcast. Um, I do my, my Facebook Lives on Thursday night. So for those of you who are not familiar, I record the podcast the night before. So you have it ready first thing in the morning when, you know, in your morning commute or your run or what, you know, whatever. So it's there ready for you. But anyway, so I do my Facebook Live on Thursday nights and I do one, I do a devotional for the church. My church is kind of spread out. People come from all over town to go to it. So it's kind of hard to do small groups. So I've started doing a Facebook Live devotional and uh, even you know, you you can always get to it if you can't make it on Thursday night. You can still get to it later on, and so right after that, I do my Facebook Live for Prepper website. Well, for some reason, the last two weeks, I mean, everything's been going really well. I and I hardwire my my brothers into computers, and he owns his own company, and he had a a, a long, a super long network cable that he gave me so that I could hardwire into uh, our our internet. And uh, things have been going really well. And then lately, I don't know what the heck has been going on. Last week, it was so bad uh, that I couldn't use the video because I, I normally like download the video and repurpose it. But I had to re-record uh, on Saturday night or Saturday morning uh, last week. And so I started on this one, and I couldn't I couldn't keep get going. I mean, the the video was so choppy. I could tell that it was so choppy, and people were leaving left and right because it was just not it's not valuable. It wasn't a good experience. So uh, I ended the video and I apologized to everyone and uh, deleted that video and uh, went ahead and recorded it. So uh, while I was ready and I had the camera ready and everything you know up and, and running, I went ahead and recorded it. So I'm going to go ahead and edit it and I will have it up on YouTube and then share that with you. But kind of bummed that I wasn't able to do the Facebook Live. The church video went well. The church Facebook Live went well. So I don't know. Uh, what's going on? I mean, I, I do know as we get later on in the evening, people are more people in the neighborhood are getting on and that tends to, to mess with uh, speeds and stuff like that. So uh, it shouldn't be doing it that bad. And everybody here in the home, I, I let them know, hey, you know, I need all the the uh, the bandwidth. So just give me 30 minutes. And uh, but that didn't seem to help today either. So a little bummed, but got it taken care of. So I can't stay too bummed because this Saturday is my birthday, and so uh, turning a, another year older, so excited about that. You know, celebrate with family and uh, people coming over. Uh, it kind of sucks getting older. I know there's some of you that are that are definitely older than me. You know, listening to this podcast, but it does. You start telling you know little little things about yourself. You know, it's like yeah, man, that's that sucks. I'm getting older, and I can kind of feel that. 
and you try to stay as young as possible. But uh, anyway, it's good. I'm a little bit wiser, uh, a little bit smarter, hopefully, and uh, still able to uh, provide a lot of preparedness content. So I love doing that uh, here. And so uh, even if uh, my birthday would have fell on a weekday, I still would have been doing a podcast for you because that's how much I enjoy doing this. All right. Um, for those of you who are in California, or maybe uh, you haven't heard this one yet, uh, there was a 5.3 earthquake in California. And so that's a pretty decent sized one. Uh, for those of you who are on the Facebook group, you know, I'm a big uh, supporter of Suspicious Observer. And, you know, he does his uh, his week, his daily, actually, daily uh, uh, video on YouTube about what space weather and, and weather and all, all different kinds of things. But he has an app. And so that app, uh, immediately when there's an earthquake, it lets you know, it alerts you. And uh, so I saw that earlier today that there was a 5.3. So before the podcast, I went and checked the USGS and they've had a little, they've had some uh, small aftershocks, you know, not big ones, uh, but 2.9, 2.7, 2.6, 2.5 or well, that 2.6 was the one, I'm sorry, 2.5, uh, you know, there. So that's always scary. I know that there's a lot of listeners in California. Uh, I do appreciate your listenership, but uh, be careful out there, you know. Uh, we definitely don't, uh, don't want to see the big one happening anytime soon. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Everywhere you live, no matter where, you can live in the, in the safest place, Everything is going to have, every place that you live is going to have something, right? And and what sucks is like you can try to get the most safest place in the world and then that's, it's still some, somebody can move in and, and make it bad. Something can happen, uh, you know, or you could just get in your car and get hit, you know, by, by a drunk driver or by someone, a driver out of control. And so that's the, the world that we live in. It's very crazy. And, and, uh, and that's, I guess uh, one big reason to uh, to realize and, and to believe that uh, this world is not all there is. But definitely, guys in California, be uh, careful out there and just uh, stay aware of what's going on. Uh, you know, definitely there could be aftershocks, and then there could be a bigger one too as well. So I uh, definitely will keep you in our in our prayers over there. All right, our first article comes to us from SmartPrepperGear.com. And uh, Aaron has a great little website over there, and he has an article. Aaron didn't write this one. This was a uh, this is actually a guest post. I don't agree with everything in this in this post. It's a great one, and I wanted to read it because I think it's important. And I don't recall doing an article on this topic uh, where it breaks it down and talks about how to build a water filter uh, in the wild, and so. I wanted to do that, but I do think it kind of goes really extreme. And I'm going to tell you uh, why, you know, after I, I finish reading it. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it again from smartpreppergear.com. And the title of the article is How to Filter Water in the Wild in Four Steps. Often we hear stories about lone survivalists who were stranded in the wild for days. If they make it out of there alive, you will hear them give credit to their will to survive instinct. What many fail to mention that the most important reason for their survival is water. In this post, we will discuss how to filter water in the wild in four easy steps. Research has it that a physiological human being can survive for weeks without food, but to survive for more than three days without water is impossible. 
In extremely hot temperatures, a person may survive for just a couple of hours without water. So, how do you access clean drinking water in the wilderness if you did not carry potable water with you? The answer is to filter and purify the water. Proper filtering will get rid of contaminants such as bacteria and parasites. These are disease-causing organisms. We can always filter water with tablets, commercial filters, or UV pen filters, but finding any of these items in a survival situation can be difficult. Can you depend on Mother Nature to provide you with a solution? The answer is yes. You can learn how to filter water in the wild if you have the right information. Follow a few steps and you will have clean drinking water. So how to filter water in the wild in four easy steps. So here are some requirements. A used plastic bottle, survival knife, a piece of cloth, charcoal, gravel or small stones, sand, one teapot and another container, a piece of hose, and contaminated water. So step one, improvise support for the filter. The first step for learning how to filter water in the wild is to improvise support for the filter you are just about to make. Use your survival knife or any other cutting tool to cut a clean used plastic bottle into two. We recommend using a Mora Bushcraft survival knife. Place the, place the top portion of the bottle into the bo bottom portion in an upside down manner. The bottom portion will act as the collecting cup. Make small holes in the bottle's cup. These will allow water to drip. Step two, make the filtration unit. So cloth. You will need a piece of cloth like the sleeve of your shirt, charcoal, sand, and gravel to make the filtration unit of your improvised water filter. You will need to put the piece of cloth, preferably made of cotton fabric, in the mouth of the bottle. This will eliminate even the smallest impurities or particles in the water. Charcoal. You can obtain charcoal from a fire you made during the day. The charcoal you use should be the last layer. Charcoal is a powerful absorbent. It can get rid of many colored impurities, including toxins and odors via a chemical reaction. Put a layer of charcoal after the piece of cloth. And so when it said last layer there, last layer when you're thinking about the flow of water. So the first layer would be the uh, actually the cloth and then the charcoal and then the next is sand. The next layer that goes on top of the charcoal is sand. The aim of the sand is to retain large and fine particles of dirt to generate clear water. The large particles will settle to form a layer on top of the sand. Microscopic organisms present in the slime around the sand will consume fine particles. Then stone or gravel. On top of the sand, put small stones or gravel. The stones or gravel do not filter any particles or impurities. Their role is to dissipate the flow of water over the whole treatment bed. Forcing the water to flow through this layer spreads it over the entire surface. At the same time, it strains out the particles larger than the spaces between the stone's particles. A good piece of advice is to add another layer of sand after the gravel, follow it with another layer of small stones or gravel. In other words, you will have double layers of sand and gravel and small stones. The benefit of the double layer is a more effective removal of large particles present in water. Step 3. Eliminate pathogenic organisms from the water. The next step of learning how to filter water in the wild is to purify it. 
The water you have in your cup after it passes through your improvised filtration unit is clear, but this doesn't mean it lacks pathogenic bacteria or microorganisms. That is to say, filtering does not remove harmful organisms from the water. A good way to get rid of these germs is to boil the water for about 5 minutes depending on the amount of water you need. Your aim is to achieve the boiling point of water. This is because some organisms are heat resistant. Others may actually be inactive in cold water but get activated by heat at low temperature. Step 4. Removal of metals and other trace elements. Filtered and boiled water may appear clear and clean. In fact, you can go ahead and drink such water. However, the two processes do not remove metals and other trace elements that may be toxic to your cells. Metals such as sodium and calcium may tip your electrolyte balance. This may lead to medical problems. The best way to get rid of such impurities is via distillation. It may be crazy to imagine distilling water in the wilderness. Nevertheless, you can actually improvise a distiller from materials available in the wilderness. Distillation process also eliminates even the most heat-resistant bacteria. To distill, you will need a teapot, a recipient container, and a piece of hose. Attach the hose to the teapot and then raise the hose up to a tree branch. Bend the end of the branch. You can then place a recipient container under the hose. Heat the water in the teapot and wait for it to boil. Water vapor will rise in the hose to condense to form raindrops. Such water drops will fall in the recipient container. Note, if you do not have a water bottle, you can use tree stems or branches that have hollow centers. You can then make the filtration unit as we have described above. You have managed to survive in the wilderness. Do not let the lack of clean drinking water be the cause of your downfall. Using what Mother Nature provides, go ahead, filter, and purify your water. Knowing how to filter water in the wild is as easy as following the above steps. The level of ingenuity requires one to be a smart survivor. Luckily, you are now smart because of what you have just learned. Keep in mind that simply filtering water does not get rid of harmful microorganisms. Ensure you boil the water adequately before consuming it to kill the germs. Only then can such water be safe for drinking. All right, so um, good article. I love the way that he just kind of lays it out there and does it in text form um, because a lot of the times you would want to, to see this. And when I say see this is I have an article, um, actually a, a video that was uh, done for uh, Ed That Matters or done for Prepper website. So it's on Ed That Matters where Craig uh, Claudel does uh, a video and he does this uh, hillbilly water filter. Basically, that's the, the title of the article. It's been a popular article on Ed That Matters uh, from time to time. I mean, it, just, it, gets, it gets hit all the time. And um, he talks about uh, in his uh, survival school that they teach people how to make a water filter and uh, basically described in the way that, that this one is. The only difference is that they don't cut the bottle in half and then, and then tip it over so you have a, a, something that's, that's holding it. They just use a hole. So if you think of a regular water bottle that you would have, and then they cut the end off, and then they use the whole water filter or the whole bottle as the water filter. And so basically, uh, in that scenario, you're left with holding it. Or if you have another container where the water is draining into that has a smaller hole, you're able, you're able to sit it in there and uh, you know let it filter water so you don't have to hold it. 
But anyway, um, he, he uh, shows you how to do it, runs it, runs it through, and then uh, you know drinks the water. And he talks about how they have, uh, in the past, they have done those water filters and they have filtered, they have sent it off for testing, and it has done a great job of cleaning the water. So I understand in this article where he's talking about, you know, you can find water that has metals and, and things like that. Um, you know, he does say right before the distillation process, because I really do think that that part is is overkill if you were in a survival uh, situation. Um, definitely, you don't have time to distill water. You're trying to filter a lot of water and uh, even boiling it. I don't know, you know, like again, going back to that hillbilly water filter, uh, they had it tested and it did a really great job in, in a survival situation. I don't know if uh, you, you want to spend the time to boil water. And then at that, do you have all, you know, do you have something to um, a container to hold the water and then to boil it and then to let it to cool off? And do you have all that time to uh, afford to doing that uh, if, if you need to drink water to stay hydrated? So, um, you know, you have that aspect of, of it as well. Uh, I know that I was on Facebook a while back and someone was just very, very adamant about, you know, you need to, you know, that doesn't uh, go far enough. You know, the, the water filter doesn't go far enough. You need to, uh, you know, and boiling it doesn't go far enough. You, you need to distill it. And so everyone's going to have the, their opinions there. I think that when it boils down to it, uh, you just need to carry a water filter. You really do. If you're going to be anywhere out in the wild or if you have a kit, you need to have a water filter. They're not very expensive. You can buy the Sawyer Mini water filter for under 30 bucks, if I remember correctly, uh, maybe even cheaper than that. And uh, you just need to have that uh, you know, available to you. Um, and so, you know, one of the things here is like if you were distilling, you needed the teapot, you needed the hose, you needed, you know, so if you have all those things, you probably have a water filter, uh, you know, you're carrying that around with you. So, um, but this is, I think, a very important skill to have and be able to know how to build one if you need uh, this uh, to be able to survive and to be able to make a, a water filter. You know, I think one of the things that you could do if you have a good, you know, a bug out bag or a kit or, you know, having um, one of those water bottles and that is empty and then you crush it down as much as possible and then you're able to put the top on it. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't fill back up with air and then you could throw it in your bag. It doesn't, uh, or your, your kit, it doesn't take up a lot of room. And then if you need it, you can always blow into it and, you know, pop it back out and then use it that way. But uh, that would be a way to kind of save space uh, if you wanted to put something like that in your bag. But anyway, uh, I think this is very valuable. Hopefully you'll go check this out and uh, click on some of the links that they have here. Uh, I think it's uh, important to, to know this one. All right, guys, that's over at smartpreppergear.com. And like always, I'm going to uh, link to that one in the show notes. All right, our next article comes to us from readynutrition.com. And on Fridays, I try to grab an article from the Prepper website archive. So I go in there and try to, to you know, find something that's an older article that's not on the front page or hasn't been on the front page uh, in a while. And this one is actually from, uh, actually the, the, um, the date for Prepper website was November 11th, 2011. And so this one is a really old article from uh, readynutrition.com. And back then, Tess was doing uh, 52 weeks of emergency preparedness. She took all of that 
and turned it into her book, The Prepper's Blueprint. So I always talk about Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's book, you know, the Survival Medical Handbook. I believe that's the, if you buy one survival um, book, that's the first one that you should buy. I mean, that's important. There's so much great information in there. But the second one that you should buy, I believe, is Tess's uh, the, the Prepper's Blueprint. It is a humongous book, has a lot of information. And uh, like I said, you know, she, she used a lot of the information on her articles. I mean, she was very purposeful about uh, building, it, building it out. So I think that's probably the second book that uh, you would want to have. And so uh, I would recommend that one to you. I normally have a link on the front page of Prepper website for that, but I am going, if you haven't been to Prepper website recently, I've been updating the, uh, the sidebar. And, um, so I'm, I'm waiting for a graphic to be able to use there. And, uh, I've also, I also updated the Prepper website podcast website as well. And so, uh, hopefully you, uh, you get a chance to go take a look at that. I'm just trying to make it just a little bit more modern, the podcast website at least. And, uh, Prepper website, There's only so much I can do with that theme, but so many people tell me they enjoy the Drudge Report theme. And I think one of of the reasons is because the people that come uh, to Prepper website are going to be in, you know, 30s and older. And those are the people that are used to the Drudge Report and probably, you know, they grew up on the Drudge Report and go to it on a regular basis. So it's just very easy to get to and so or get to the all the articles and, and, and stuff like that. So. Um, I've talked about maybe possibly updating that theme and people are like, no, just keep it, keep it the way it is. So, uh, not, not looking to change that judge report theme on, on prepper website anytime soon, but am updating the, um, the sidebar of that. So you got to go check it out. Maybe give me some feedback on that one. But anyway, this article is entitled, uh, emergency sanitation preparedness. And so this is one of those important things that we need to grasp and have in the back of our mind because if we are ever in a survival situation this is this this is something that needs to be understood not just by you and I've talked about this before but it's got to be understood by everybody in your community everybody who is there because you could be doing everything right but other people can be doing things wrong and they can be putting everybody in danger and so this is this is very important and one of those things that you need to really we need to really get down. So um, when I saw this one, I'm like, you know what? I'm reading this one for the Friday podcast. So let's go ahead and start reading. In 2010, after a devastating earthquake leveled Haiti, people all over the world wanted to help. Despite all of the aid pouring in, the reconstruction process was put on hold in order to deal with a cholera outbreak. An illness spread from the contamination of food and water. This epidemic was caused by open defecation and could have been avoided if individuals knew where and how to properly expel waste. Ready for the shocker? It is a documented fact that more people die after a disaster due to poor sanitation than from the disaster itself. You can do everything right regarding emergency sanitation measures, but that will in no way protect you from all those around you who did not. During times of extended disasters, those that live in close proximity to one another will be at the greatest risk for contracting illnesses from unsanitary conditions. 
Teaming up with those around you to create a community, lead sanitation system can assist in avoiding epidemics caused from unsanitary conditions. In this case, the group as a whole takes full responsibility for its success and will see fewer instances of illness. Quite simply, wherever humans gather, their waste also accumulates. This creates a perfect storm for E. coli and bacteria to invade most of everything that you touch not to mention carrying the risk of infectious disease, particularly to vulnerable groups such as the very young, the elderly, and people suffering from diseases that lower their resistance. Fly infestations can also pose a problem for sanitation, and if waste is left out in the open, then it will lead to the possibility of epidemics. The following are a few examples of structures that can be built to maintain sanitation during a long-term disaster. Simple pit latrines are the easiest and cheapest way to dispose of waste. Ventilated latrine and outdoorless earth closets that prevent fly infestations are also good choices. Learn more by clicking here. Decomposing toilets are above ground latrines that are another option and once the waste is decomposed, it can be used in the garden. Click here for more information. Ever hear of humanure? Solid and liquid waste can be decomposed and composted to be used in the garden. For more information on using liquid waste in the garden, click here. Toilet paper is always a concern for emergency preparations. However, there are alternatives and in a long-term scenario, you will need to begin thinking outside the box. Some off-gridders use rags and thoroughly wash the soiled cloth for other uses. However, if you are opposed to this, other alternatives are available and can be viewed here. And for the lovers of disposable toilet paper, you can purchase larger quantities online at Amazon or at online janitorial supply stores. According to Wikipedia, one American person uses an average of 23.6 rolls of toilet paper per year. In a long-term disaster, toilet paper will be a hard-to-find luxury item and could be a great bartering item. I would like to add, however, that stocking up on thousands of rolls of toilet paper will take up a lot of space. So having some on hand for extended emergencies is a good idea. However, for longer term scenarios, you may need to get creative. All right. You know, you know how I feel on this. If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, uh, toilet paper is a must. And so you got to find places to store it because when people start talking about alternatives, I mean, come on, you know. Now, a couple of alternatives here, and I've talked about it before. Uh, Survival Jane has uh, did an experiment with uh, like a bidet, like a handmade bidet. So basically it was a, uh, a pump, um, you know, one of those pumps where a spray pump that you would put stuff in to spray in your garden or kill weeds or, or whatever, right? And so it was one of, one of those that you buy at Home Depot Lowe's, but it had a plastic wand and she heated up that plastic wand and bent it to where it would bend uh you know it would bend up right and so uh you could use that as a bidet so you pump up the water and use that to kind of rinse off uh and and use that so uh, i always remember I, I don't know because i guess <laughs> this is such an important topic for me i always remember that i know that i linked to it before in the past uh, you know, but you can go to survivaljane.com and easily find it over there. But again, uh, you know, stocking up on toilet paper, I think, is a must. And if people would have read this article that, like, that were in Venezuela, 
you know, again, I, and I just recently talked about it. You know, that was one of the things to go, you know, that, that was kind of a telling thing for everyone that the collapse was starting to happen. And so, uh, you know, you, you just want to stock up on it. Uh, and uh, it's one of those precious uh, items when you get to get to that. Because when people start talking about, yeah, you can lose, use leaves and pine cones and, and uh, you know, <laughs> whatever, man. That's not, that's, that is not happening. So stock up on some toilet paper. You'll be glad you did. And that's one of those things that even if nothing ever happens, you can still always use it. And your kids, if, if you die and they throw away all your prepper gear, they can take that toilet paper and take it home and still use it, right? That might be one of the things that you, that you bless them with that they finally say, oh, hey, mom and dad, you know, I threw away a bunch of junk or gave it to Goodwill, but, you know, we did take all their toilet paper. So <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, let me continue on here. Because we are getting into more longer-term preparedness items, you want to find prep items that are multifunctional in order to be as efficient as possible. Soap nuts are a great multi-purpose prep item. They are cheap, have many uses, and can be composted after use. Soap, both antibacterial and regular, can also be purchased in bulk from your local dollar store. And guys, don't forget, if you, like I said, if you're new, I believe last Friday we talked about making your own uh, you know, like chemicals and soaps and different things like that. And so you can have the materials to make liquid soap and uh, it will go, it'll go a long, long way. Uh, I haven't heard about soap nuts in a while. Uh, for a while there, I thought maybe, you know, there's three or four articles coming out every, every so often, but I haven't heard about them in, in a while. So basically they are nuts. Uh, this is like from nature and uh, that you can, that they soap up and they set up and you can use those uh, as soap. So uh, if you've never heard about that, do a little bit of research. It's pretty, pretty interesting. All right. Um, well, and there's a link here in uh, the article so you can go straight to that. All right. So uh, preps to buy two weeks or longer toilet paper, cat litter, bleach, five gallon bucket, clothes pins, laundry plunger. That's optional. Clothes ringer, washboards. Two large storage bins to do laundry, woman sanitary needs, soap or multi-purpose alternatives in bulk, hand sanitizer, mesh screening to use for long-term latrines, and space bags to store toilet paper. And the action items. Ensure that you have sanitary items for all members of the family, including women, children, and elderly. If you have not done so, create a sanitation kit for the home, and there's a link there. And print this Hesperian Health Guide on Sanitation and add it to your emergency manual. So uh, you can link there. A lot of good stuff there. So some of the reasons why you would see cat litter when if you have if you've ever uh, seen videos or people talk about it, do um, talk about having a bucket. And so you're using a bucket with one of those seats. There's uh, toilet seats that are uh, made to fit on a five gallon bucket. And so you get uh, you know a trash bag. Um, and you use the restroom in there. Then you throw the cat litter in there, so it deals with the smell. It soaks up any liquid, uh, you know, urine or whatever, and it also deals with the smell. And so that's why they're talking about the cat litter there. Um, you know, and you know, I guess the the, the bleach as well, just the kind of cleaning uh, aspect of it. Uh, the laundry plunger. Um, I think that is, and that probably that links to Amazon. But if you were going to do like rags, and you were you were going to use rags, and you were going to wash them, you probably would want to do that separately 
than you do all the other things if you were using it for that purpose, you know, for that long-term uh, purpose, washboards and, and different things like that. So that, that's one thing that she did on her articles back then is, is she included lists that you could go purchase if you needed to purchase items and then action steps. And the action steps have some uh, really great links that you can go check out. All right, guys, that is it for emergency sanitation preparedness. Uh, you know, good information here. And remember, you know, you could do everything right. You could do everything like you're supposed to. But the, if the people around you are not following that advice, if they're not doing it. So if you're in a neighborhood and people are just going to their backyard and, and they're using the restroom back there, man, that is going to spread disease big time. And so people go walking and, you know, that carries it, you know, that they have it on their shoes and then it goes into your house and then forget it, right? And so that's something that you, you got to think about when you talk about bugging in and you're in a neighborhood. That's why I have said that if I am stuck in my neighborhood, in my home, when the poop hits the fan, that I am going to be gathering all my neighbors and we're going to be doing this whole community thing. I mean, I'm going to be, do, be the community organizer. I'm going to be you know leading the, the, the front as far as setting up defenses and setting up patrols and then talking about what we need to do in order to make sure that everyone survives because uh, you know you, you want to set up those types of things. Everyone has to be on board. If you're doing everything right and everybody else is doing everything wrong, it's just a matter of time before you're done in. And so uh, I love that aspect of, of this article because that's something that a lot of people don't always uh, talk about. A lot of people don't always think about. So uh, go check this one out. Again, emergency sanitation preparedness. I'm going to link to it in the show notes and a lot of good stuff here. All right, guys, that's it for episode 287. That's another week of podcast episodes in the books. I'm so glad that you hung out with me. I do really appreciate your listenership and those of you that support the Prepper Website Podcast, not only by your listenership, but I know many of you are purchasing items uh, from Amazon. And anytime you do that, uh, that you know, I'm an affiliate for Amazon, and that's a little bit of a blessing. It doesn't add anything to your cost, but it does uh, you know, give us a little bit of a financial blessing. So I appreciate that. Uh, there's other things that I'm affiliates for, like legacy food, if you needed any kind of uh, dehydrated food. And, and eventually you should have, add a little bit of that to your preparedness plans. Uh, I'm an affiliate for that. And I do, I, I don't become an affiliate for anything that I don't believe in. And so legacy and then hydro blue, uh, the jerry can pressurized water filter. Um, you're going to be hearing a little bit about that uh, coming up here in, in, in the future, because uh, I really like that pressurized jerry can. And it's a great water filter. And so uh, I'm going to share some, some more information with you here pretty soon. But uh, guys, I, I do appreciate your support. Uh, you know, we haven't done any sponsorships on this. And, and I am definitely at the point where I could be doing that. I'm just not seeking that out. Not something to, that I want to be doing yet. So I do appreciate when uh, people support us. And uh, it makes a, a big difference. And so I'm very grateful for that. Well, guys, I hope you take a little bit of time this weekend to enjoy uh, the outdoors and hope you get some things done. Hope you rest, relax. Hope you add to your preparedness. If you're looking for more preparedness content, you can come over to Prepper website. Like always, we add preparedness content there every single day. And so uh, you can make sure that you're getting really great stuff over there at Prepper website, just like you're getting it here on the podcast. And so, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. 
Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.